text for the message this afternoon is Romans chapter 8. We'll read verses 18 to 25. Page 944 in the Pew Bible. Romans 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtained the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The Lord bless this scripture to our lives. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this worship service and the other gatherings we have at this time of year when we reflect together, can be compared to that that break that hikers take. You're making your way up top of a mountain and after hiking for some time on the journey, you you stop, you have a little break, you you take a look behind you to see how far you've come and you also look forward to see the the destination, how far you you need to go. Reminds us of, of Samuel who at one point he set up a marker stone he called Ebenezer, the, the, the rock of help. And he marked that moment in the history of the universe. And we're doing that, we're marking this moment in the history of the universe to confess that until now, the Lord our God has helped us. He has held us in his hand throughout another year, 2023, And we pray that he will continue to hold us in his hand as we go to 2024. If we look back, we'll see that we're all looking back on a different kind of year. Most of us here in Emmanuel have lived in relative wealth and comfort. Some of us are looking back on 2023 and and thinking of of the year that was filled with with growth, with, with learning, with personal achievements. Others of us are looking back, besides this growth and personal achievements, we're we're also thinking about loss. The loss of our health, our mobility, the loss of dear loved ones. And on the world scale at this moment in the history of the universe, we could say the, the same thing. There has been growth and much 
maturity as Christ's church continues to spread and to grow. And we love to receive the reports from all the different mission fields, how the Lord is blessing the preaching of the gospel. There's also been much loss in the world through poverty and through war and persecution. Just read the news of the last few days of increased war efforts. As we reflect on that, looking back, we, we see that in a way everything has continued in this way since the flood. And yet as we stand looking forward to 2024, we still don't know if next year will be the same. The new year, 2024, is, is really an unknown. Not only on a personal level, when we realize that we cannot know how many of the people and the tasks and the possessions that we enjoy today will still be in our lives in December 31 next year, if we are still on this earth, and if our Lord Jesus hasn't returned before then. And although many of us here are maybe not liking this uncertainty because they're looking forward to some very special events in 2024, maybe a baby, or maybe a degree, a new job, a wedding, a graduation, a, a reunion. We have learned to always add the Lord willing to our announcements and to our, our plans because we know very well that things can go much differently than we hope, than we expect, than we plan. No one can predict what will happen here on this world that is broken by sinfulness and filled with war and hatred and greed, suffering under the consequences of the fall so prone to illness and, and injury. And that can make our lives difficult. And we long for certainty we're thankful that the Bible gives us certainty about the future. It's not in the things that are seen, but in what is unseen, what the Lord promises us. We see that God has planned more for everyone who believes in Him. And Romans 8, verse 18 to 25 teaches us that there is more for us than what we can see during our temporary sojourn on the earth. And that's the gospel I preached to you this afternoon, that the Spirit prepares our hearts for the future we do not see. We'll see the sufferings of the present time as they're addressed in our text, and secondly, the glory that is to be revealed. If you have your Bibles open in front of you, you can scan Romans 8 with me and to see how Paul got to this discussion about the, the, the present and the future, how did he get to this bridge moment between the, the present and, and the future? And you'll notice that if you look at verses 7 and, and 8, he talks about some people whose minds are, are set on the flesh. They're hostile to God. They're, they're unable to submit to God's law or, or please Him. And we see there already the beginning of a struggle. And then we see... In contrast, in verses 9 to 11, there are believers who have the Spirit of Christ who was raised from the dead within them. And so they have life 
in their mortal bodies. And they can experience this life of God within them even while they are living in the midst of a hostile environment where they're being attacked by the enemy. And we see in verses 12 to 17 that that life within our mortal bodies, the Holy Spirit of Christ who was raised from the dead, is, is leading us to continually look to God, to cry out, Abba, Father, as we wait for our inheritance to be fully received. And so in this contrast of of a dying body, a mortal body, and and life within us, Paul comes to Romans 8, verse 18. He's speaking of the present, the sufferings of this present time. He's referring to those spiritual and physical struggles that result in all of our lives from the consequences of the fall into sin and the curse upon all creation. Sufferings of the present time are a result of things not being the way they were created to be. The Holy Spirit teaches us that that all God's creation has been ruined in the fall and now we are waiting for the, the, the full revelation of the redeeming work of God in the midst of the misery that our sins have caused. And so we read in our text In verse 20, that God's wrath against sin was revealed when he subjected creation to futility. Part of the sufferings of this present time is that creation is subject to futility. And we just think of the book of Ecclesiastes, the the meaningless and the meaningless and the chasing after the wind. And and then again, you look back at 2023 and, and you start thinking about how many hours of that year did we waste doing things that just, that they're futile. They, they lead to nothing. They're, they're, they're meaningless. We understand that idea of futility. Our text also mentions bondage, creation in bondage to corruption. Bondage means to be in slavery to something. And so we know that Paul is making reference to what he spoke of in Romans 6 verse 12 and following about a a slavery to sin. And then in Romans 8 verse 15, again he's talking about a slavery to fall back into fear. That's the bondage. There's a slavery to, to doing the wrong things. There's a slavery to disobeying the Lord that's right in our very heart. And that leads to to corruption. And and the word corruption refers to the decaying nature of the universe that God created. That's what we sang about in Psalm 102. They will perish, but you will remain. The universe is compared to, to garments that wear out. And again, we look back. And we see evidence of this bondage to corruption in our lives, in, in our years. Another year passes by. We look at our clothes, uh, the knees and the jeans of our children already worn out. It's only January or December and we bought them new in September. We see the, the vehicles we have are that much older. Our bodies seem to be older and weaker, well at least half of us, the middle age and, 
and up. The younger ones are still getting stronger. We see things wearing out. And when we reflect on that, that degenerating and that, that corruption, it brings on a kind of tiredness in our minds. Is it still worth going through the process of, of replacing that vehicle? Or is it worth it to get the next degree or to renovate our homes? Are we getting too old for all these things? We know we're just getting more worn out. And then the word, verse 23, groaning. Groaning captures that, that feeling. Something we, we understand the older we get. The curse, the futility, the corruption, the decay. Even in the classrooms at, at school, things aren't always as peaceful and joyful and happy as we would like. Again, the assignments keep coming. What's it all for? Groaning happens at all ages. Can make the struggle, can make the suffering hard to bear. We think of our ongoing fight to have a, a healthy, fit body. Consume so much of our time and our energy. Think of the confusion of, of mental disorders in, in our lives and the lives of our loved ones. We think of the slavery of addictions, that ongoing sorrow, that gnawing in our heart after loved ones die. Think of the, the constant confrontation. It seems we're always in a struggle with an increasing number of, of limitations that's caused by our age or our injuries or our illnesses. And with all creation. We groan. As Paul explains in 2 Corinthians 4, it's in the verses before those we read, he speaks of the treasures of the gospel truth that we, we cling to every day. Those treasures are kept in jars of clay. Our outer self is wasting away. It's like a tent of groaning that will be destroyed. We could feel the, the weight of, of these burdens. We could see then what a blessing it is to read a passage of Scripture and to know that this experience we have here that's an experience common to, to all of us is, is not all that there is for us. The Holy Spirit compares that the pain and the discomfort of living in a, in a world subjected by God to futility. He compares that world to a woman in the pains of childbirth and not to a person with terminal cancer. That means the Bible doesn't tell us that we have to accept suffering as our eternal lot in life but we only need to endure it for a time. Suffering is, is just a temporary part of the journey that will end when we get to the destination. After the pains of childbirth, the pain stops. 
Like parents who rejoice after the pains of childbirth because they can finally meet the child that God had given to them. So we will rejoice after the sufferings of this present time when we take hold of our inheritance that Christ has obtained for us. As the Apostle says in verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Salvation brings us into to hope. Our salvation in Christ, that His Spirit within us, that first fruit of the Spirit within us constantly points us to, to war during our waiting and our suffering will be fully experienced in the future. In the glory that is to be revealed. Paul, in this passage, speaks also of, of glory. And the word glory is one of those words that has the potential to mean many different things. We might all have a different idea of what glory is. And so when we look at our text in Romans 8, verse 18, we see that glory is presented as the opposite of suffering or troubles. The Apostle states this emphatically when he says that our the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. Not worth comparing. It highlights that it's completely different. It's not even in the same category. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17 that we, we read together helps us to understand this. When, when, when the, the Holy Spirit teaches us that the glory is weighty and eternal and that our suffering in this present life is light, momentary affliction. Weighty and eternal glory, light, momentary affliction. It's, it's hard to, to put that, those words to the suffering that we face in our lives, but it's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. Suffering that will pass away. Compared to glory, it's light. Suffering is like mosquito bite. Compared to the, the glory to be revealed. The Holy Spirit explains this even further 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 explains that what God has prepared for those who love Him is what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceived. And the definition of glory is, is arrived at by saying what it is not. It will not include the conflict with the sinful nature in our bodies. It does not include the suffering from the consequences of the fall and illnesses and injuries. It does not include attacks from God's enemies. It's not like any of the transient things that we see around us in this fallen world. And so we have the first part of our definition of what glory is like and we arrive at that first part by saying what it is not. And then we look back to the text to find out what the Holy Spirit says about what it is. And we come to 8 verse 19. And we see that 
has to do with the, the revealing of the sons of God. The glory that is to be revealed to us, verse 18, and the revealing of the sons of God. And by using the word revealing, the Spirit makes it clear that the fact of our sonship has already been established by God. And Paul has made this clear in verse 14, 8 verse 14. He says that for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. And again in chapter 8 verse 16, he says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And then we learn from this chapter that to be children of God means to be free from the slavery to the dominion of sin and to the fear of death, which is something that every person in Christ may enjoy. Chapter 8, verse 2. We are children of God in Christ. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. But then we look a little further and we see in verse 23 that it also says in our passage that we are waiting eagerly for adoption as, as sons. And then we see that our passage is talking about what we have and who we are and about how this will be more fully experienced in the future. There's a wonderful promise to be, be called a child of God in a fallen world, to, to be told we have the first fruits of the Spirit, to be told we are heirs, but we have not yet inherited the kingdom that God has promised. That's what we're waiting for. That inheritance that God has prepared for us. That's the glory in our text. It's the freedom of the glory of the children of God which will only be revealed when our bodies are also redeemed from the corruption of the fall. Chapter 8, verse 23. And so our text is pointing to, to two steps in our adoption process. Starting with where we are, the, the verses leading up to our text. We are His adopted children through Christ. We are gathered together to worship Him with the first fruits of the Holy Spirit in our heart as His adopted children. And yet we're also sojourners. We're on our way to our new home. That's the glory that's coming. In Colossians 3, we could read a similar explanation. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him. And so we will move from not only being children of God to, to seeing that we are children of God. The Scriptures are clear that God who has adopted us in Christ will one day reveal whom He adopted as His children. This is what that glory is all about. One day God will reveal and we will see what it means to be adopted children of God. Not just in hope, not just with the eyes of faith, 
but because we will have redeemed and sanctified bodies and minds that can finally fully experience the blessing of living in peace with the eternal triune God and and glorifying Him with every word, every thought, every action, everything you do or think or say will be for the glory of God without any hindrance of the corruption, the fall. When the children of God are revealed, you, you among them, as believers and in Jesus Christ, and your bodies are redeemed from the corruption uh, of the fall and in the new heavens and the new earth, you will live in peace with the creator of heaven and earth. And we can look to the Psalms to see some of the descriptions. Psalm 16 tells us that, that you will have every good thing in God, that you will have fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Psalm 23, you will not be in want of anything. Romans 8 verse 23 indicates that there will be, every desire will be good and pleasing to God. There will be no evil to fight against you or, or to turn you, 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 or tempt you to turn back into rebellion. For the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. Then we will see, then we will see how rough the journey really was, won't we? We'll see how badly everything on earth had been ruined by sin. We'll see how much the the weakness of our minds and our fallen bodies actually hindered our worship. We'll see how much the the devil had deceived us about reality. We'll see how temporary our afflictions really were. How twisted our priorities had become. How important God's word was for for preparing us for everlasting life in his presence. for, For showing us what we have in Christ. We'll see how little of it we understood. We'll see how privileged we are to to do what Paul says in Romans 8, verse 17, to suffer with Christ in order that we might also be glorified with him. 2023 was another year of waiting for what we cannot see. We lived the year as heirs of an inheritance that had not yet been fully given to us. We were unable to to fully experience it. 2023 was was like a mother in the pains of childbirth waiting for the baby to be born. We were as sojourners and pilgrims who have not yet reached the the promised glorious destination. The service today is like a a, a stopping point on, on a long hike. However, thanks be to God that all that suffering that we endured this year as a congregation, as individuals, all that suffering of this present time that was a result of having to wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to return, 
All that suffering didn't crush us, didn't knock us down, didn't, didn't make us want to, to stop fighting against sin and the devil. But rather, what, what happened? Brothers and sisters were, were even more eager for the coming glory. Suffering in the present time prepares us for the coming glory by making us all the more eager for what God has prepared for those who love Him. So again, this year we come to this milestone. Rejoicing in Christ's finished work and propelled along by hope. It's how God works. He directs our hearts. He directs our minds to Him, to His glory, to His holiness, heavenward. Adam and Eve were, were sent out of the garden in the expectation of a coming Savior. And when that Savior, Jesus Christ, finally came, and when He said His work was finished on the cross, He told us that He is coming back to restore all things and to take us with Him. That moment when we be revealed as His children. We're in the period of waiting. If you're suffering today, then things are happening exactly as God said they would. And your longing is increasing. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The word patience has a sense of, of endurance, perseverance. We know our Savior is victorious. We know He is coming back. We, we have this window into the glory that will be revealed. And it gives us an inexhaustible patience with all the hardships we must face. We're pilgrims in this world. Let's not become attached to the transient things of this life so that we love the world more than reality, the kingdom we have in Christ, that we don't live with our eyes looking down, but always with our eyes looking up. Let us look forward, not being crushed but what is, by what is light and momentary. But let us live as heirs with the hope of the glory that is certainly ours in Christ. Amen.